Welcome to 321Go, the podcast. I'm John Pelkey. And I'm Carissa Galloway, and we're bringing you stories from start to finish to keep the everyday athlete motivated to keep moving towards the next finish. Carissa, we have a very, very special show today. Ultramarathoner and author Dean Carnassus, and that does not do him justice, just calling him those things. He'll join us to discuss his incredible life and career. Yes, and we're also going to talk about why weight loss is hard, because if you've tried, you know that it's hard. We're going to open the mailbag and learn about races that we love that don't start at Disney, and we're going to talk about how you can help fellow run Disney athletes, maybe with their first race. And to all of you, thank you for listening. Please keep subscribing, rate us, leave a review, and tell your friends. Let's do this. We had so much fun with Dean. We're going to do this episode a little differently. So right now, we're going to jump into the mailbag. Sarge? Athletes, listen up. It's mail call time. Announcer free, present. Thank you, Sarge. Always appreciate you. Here is our question for today in the mailbag. This comes from MB Runs the Castle. That's their Instagram handle. And it is, what is your favorite non-Disney race weekend? Now, you have... Many more to choose from than I do. You host more races than I do. Well, that was what I didn't know. Was the question, what's my favorite to participate in or what's my favorite to announce? I, you, you could go with both. And you could actually just say a race weekend that you've never been to and, and will it to be your favorite. Wow. All right. Uh, the uh, no. Disneyland Paris uh, half marathon. <laughs> Shanghai that? Disney weekend. Thank you. Is goodbye. That, okay. All right. <laughs> Thank there, you. Okay. Goodbye. We'll it. see you there. That's it. Um, okay. I think... I thought about this a little bit, and I think that I didn't want to say races that we've talked. We've talked a lot about Boston. We've talked about the race I did in Amsterdam. Um, when I think about the races that I enjoy going to that are outside of Disney, I'm laughing. And Wes, is, who's our producer who's listening in, uh, my husband will laugh at this. The races I like best are the one where I can walk from the hotel to the start line. <laughs> like, I don't really care where we are or yep. what it is, but... I real that really makes me happy. <laughs> Here and now, most people are like, "Oh, she's a bit of a dandy." That's that's what people are thinking. But I will I say, I was going to say that my f- favorite, uh, for any number of reasons, is St. Pete Run Fest, and I can walk from my hotel to the start line. It is part of why it's 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 so, so enjoyable. enjoyable, and especially so when we do an Iron Man day, which starts for me at four a.m. and goes until after midnight. If I can take the forty-five minute break that we get maybe twice a day, walk back to my room, you know, put my feet up. Sometimes I take a shower. It makes a huge difference in it. But I think so. When I was thinking about that question, that's kind of why that came to mind. The other one was that if family is there or if I have friends I look, that I know run the race. So I think much like run Disney, my favorite non-Disney races are the ones where there's great people, and then a five-star hotel within a two-block radius that I have a nice room at with. I will take... Five-star? I'm just kidding. That was a joke. <laughs> because, I look, I, if, I if mean, my co-host Andrea is listening, we stayed in a hotel recently that I won't say where that was. Yeah. Luckily, if it had seen a star ever in its life, but it was fine. It had actual ice buckets, like the buckets, the plastic buckets. Oh, I like that. For ice. But still... They're very, it's very And then I stayed at one hotel that did not even have a USB ports and I made them bring me an extension cord because my or else my phone was going to be sitting on the floor. I think I mentioned this once before. So I did I did an diva. event for Universal once where they didn't have any rooms even though the rooms were booked weeks in advance 
And everyone that I was traveling with got a room except me. And they put me in a, uh, no. you know, they put me in a, in a, uh, meeting room. And it had it, it had a big screen TV, and that was back when that was not uh, necessarily the thing that you would find a lot. But there was no bed; there was just a pullout couch. So I had to sleep on the pullout couch. So it was good and bad. It did you have your bad. own? Did you have your own bathroom? Huh? Uh, no, it did. It had a bathroom. It was like a two room suite, but okay. it was it, you know it just wasn't a it wasn't a bedroom. Yeah. Well, that's my quote. My unofficial answer. Well, wherever there's a wherever there's close hotel, close five star. I'm just kidding about the five hotel. star part. Right. We're doing a lot of uh, blue sky thinking. Five star Shanghai suite, Tokyo Disney suite, private jet. Just throwing Mira things Costa. out. Okay, for, just for, we're just saying words now. Ferrari, lamp. I love I love lamp. <laughs> John, Dude. your your answer. Uh, no, St. Pete Run Fest yeah. it, it, for me, just because uh, it was kind of the first race that outside of Disney that um, brought me in as an announcer. Just me. Mm-hmm. It, w- it was just me for a while. And uh, I now it's my wife and myself. Um, and it's just a, it's just a great one. It, November, the weather's lovely. You're on the water. It's just got a lot of things going for it. It's a very, very fun race. I will always advocate for those folks. And uh, they actually post our new when our new uh, uh, episodes yeah. pop up. So they're. The last thing I'll say about that is when you said St. Pete Run Fest, it made me think about this. When I go to a race where the organizers are kind, the people who work there are kind, it makes me want to, like, it makes it more, like I said, a family event. So you have that relationship with the St. Pete Run Fest. I I have that relationship with other races across the country. Um, Those are ones that I look forward to because it's like a little mini reunion. So thank you, all the race organizers that are kind to us. I'm not saying that anybody's not. Nobody's really not. And you know who uh, you are. Yeah, that's right. If you're listening, I'm not, but like you just connect with certain people. I just just leave that out there. We should do that end of every episode. <laughs> leave something out where people are like, "Who are they talking about?" Remember when you worked with that one guy and he did that thing? Man, don't want to work with him again. And the hotel was, you know where? Oh yeah. Well, that was a so fun question. So people actually stay here, do they? Yeah. <laughs> we'll just throw it. Oh, be great. That's it. We'll leave it with a little cliffhanger. Oh, that was a little good. cliffhanger at the end. Hey, if you're dreaming of discovering new horizons or have a Disney trip coming up, don't let all the travel planning overwhelm you. Let Katie McBride with Travelmation take care of everything for you. That sounds fabulous. Yeah, I'm a huge advocate about using a travel agent because they save you time. It's stress-free planning, and you're getting access to exclusive discounts, which is what we want. And Katie really has the knack for swiftly sorting through options, presenting you with the best choices that align with your budget and your desire. So if you're ready to turn your travel dreams into reality, contact Katie today and embark on a journey filled with seamless experiences and those unforgettable moments. That's right. You can reach out to Katie. Uh, her web address is www.travelkatiemcbride.com. And uh, have a wonderful trip. We should all be traveling. Let's get out there, people. See and do new things. Okay, civilians, it's time for the goods. Let's get on to the interview. Our guest today is a celebrated ultramarathoner and author. Now, his athletic achievements, Carissa, are far too numerous to mention. Here's a couple. It ran 350 miles in 80 hours and 44 minutes without sleep. Ran a marathon in the South Pole in negative 13 degree Fahrenheit. And I'll get to the bottom of that, too, because I think with wind chill, it was probably colder than that. And running a marathon in each of the 50 states in 50 consecutive days. He's the author of five books, including New York Times bestseller Ultra Marathon Man and his latest, A Runner's High, My Life in Motion. 
which was released in 2021. Named by Time Magazine as one of the 100 most influential people in the world. He's also an ESPY Award winner for Best Outdoor Athlete, and I'm out of breath. Welcome to 321GO, Dean Carnassus. <laughs> I'm exhausted before we even start the interview. <laughs> well, that's okay, because I'm inspired. I'm excited by all the things that we get to dive into a little bit more. Uh, we have a lot of ground to cover, Dean. Uh, let's go back, way back, because your love of running started early, and rumor has it that you started organizing running events with friends while in third grade, which is coincidentally where my daughter is, and she hasn't organized any running events. So I'm a little concerned now. Uh, but Dean, what drew you to running at such an early age? It goes back even further. I started running home from kindergarten when I was five. Kenyan uh, style, right? Uphill both ways. <laughs> it was, it was, I mean, it was LA. So it was, it was, you know, relatively flat, relatively cool. But you were dealing a, with the smog back then, Dean. You, 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 <laughs> yeah. you, you were dealing with smog. And I, and I wasn't at 10,000 feet either, I was at sea level at least. But no, actually, L.A. was a, is a beautiful place to to spend my formative years because it, the smog wasn't quite so bad. Uh, I don't want to you know, date myself, but it was a long time ago. Uh, and thankfully, it was in an era where a kid, a five-year-old could run home. It was about a mile from my school to my house. And it was in an era when a kid could do that safely. Um, my parents were somewhat liberal i.e they were complete hippies <laughs> so <laughs> that, when i said I'm, I'm gonna start, yeah i'm gonna run home from school they said oh that's fine i i won't have to pick you up then so and i i just found that i loved running i just i i couldn't sit still in class you know we tell young boys and girls to sit still and pay attention and all all a young child wants to do is is go run wild and not pay attention. Right. So I remember just having this mental discipline, just wait for the bell to ring, wait for the bell to ring. And then when it did, I was out of there. I was free. And I just started relating to the world through running. Uh, the sensations of the the air on my skin, the changing color of the leaves with the seasons, everything. You know, sitting in class was was having a teacher tell you how the world works. Running was like seeing it firsthand. So uh, it just my passion for that kept going into third grade where I, <laughs> I became a, a conniving entrepreneur <laughs> figure, trying to figure out how I could get enough money to buy more fireworks for Fourth of July and organizing okay. running events seemed a good way. Well, and you uh, now you kept up with this running and through uh, junior high school and into high school. But then your, your story and I and, and I hope I'm right with all of this is you essentially quit running for about 15 years you're a very successful businessman in San Francisco uh, who also admitted that at that time, as successful as you were, you were really, really unhappy and a run really changed your life. Can you take us through to that and explain uh, how all of this started really with a 30 mile run? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I, um, I, we won the, the cross country championships when I was a freshman in high school. I, I was 15. I thought this is as far as I'll ever take my running career you know, end it now. <laughs> wow. Plus running was kind of like running is boring. Come on, let's be honest, Dean, you've got better ways to waste your time than, you know, spending hours running. So I stopped running at 15. Uh, I somehow graduated high school, somehow got into college, somehow got into graduate school after college, then somehow got an MBA. And you're right. I had a very comfortable corporate job in San Francisco, uh, you know, with all the perks of a, of a good job. I mean, I was 30 years old. I had uh, stock options. I had a company car, you know, I had a fat paycheck bonuses, 401k matching, you know, free healthcare, you know, all the things. Mm. 
And on the night of my 30th birthday, my friends took me out and we were in a bar uh, doing what a lot of people do on their 30th birthday. I was, <laughs> I was getting drunk, <laughs> uh, you know, and around midnight I said, I'm leaving. And they said, where, where are you going? Come on, the night is young. Let's have another round of tequila to celebrate your 30th birthday. And I said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to run 30 miles to celebrate instead. And, and they looked at me and they said, but you're not a runner, you're drunk. <laughs> and I said, I am, but I'm still going to do it. And I walked out of the bar and I'll never forget. I, I didn't even own running gear at the time, but I had on these comfortable silk boxer shorts, like this, these silk underwear. So I, <laughs> I peeled off my pants and threw them down the alleyway and just started stumbling into the night, heading south, knowing that a town called Half Moon Bay was 30 miles away. And I said, you know what? R just run to Half Moon Bay. run, and, and that night forever changed the course of my life. Well, and for the record, if, if I put that in a movie script, it would be turned out. People would be like, no, come on. That's just, that's ridiculous. He did not go down to his silk boxers and make that run. So I, it, I just to follow up with that, it, it was part of that feeling just the fact that, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd been attracted to running so early that it was just this thing that you were like, you're, you're not a runner. I mean, you're like, no, dormant in my soul. That is exactly what I am. Uh, no, it's more like bad tequila. Okay, well, okay. <laughs> no, no. How did that you, bell curve go during that 30-mile yeah, run? Yeah, like, when good. did the tequila wear off or you were like, oh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you, you both ask great questions. And, and uh, John, you're, you're right. I mean, I was, I was so discontent with my – I mean, I, I had a major midlife crisis at 30. I was so miserable and I was so comfortable and I was so – miserable being comfortable that I had to do something. And I, I just remember how running was a struggle. It was hard. It was difficult. It was not, you know, it wasn't something that came easy. And I wanted that struggle back in my life and that, you know, that pain and, and that perseverance of pushing through it. So I think all of those things just manifested. Uh, I, you know, I'm Greek and I'll go back to the Oracle at Delphi, you know, know thyself uh, and then be thyself. I, I knew who I was, but I wasn't being myself. I hated being a business guy. Uh, I was a, like a, a creature that wanted to get out of the corporate world and it manifested as a run. And <laughs> wow, Carissa, to your point, 10 miles in when the tequila started wearing <laughs> off, I thought, what, what the hell am I doing? This is, this is the most insane, crazy, stupid thing you could be doing. But I don't know. I looked up and I, I saw the stars and... I saw the heavens and it, for the first, it was the strangest feeling. It was as though I was where I was supposed to be at that moment in time. As though this is where God put you on earth. Keep going. It just seems so natural. So I just kept, kept going. Oh, that's amazing. There's, that's such a great, a yeah. great story there. And what you were saying about, you know, the discomfort and the grind, you know, we, we work with a lot of athletes that do run Disney and that's their first race. And I think for them, there's that magic of Disney that draws them, but there's also that fear of like, I'm stuck. I don't push myself out. Can I do this? Can I get to that discomfort? And in that discomfort and that fear, I think a lot of us find motivation to do other things in our life that were possibly holding us back. And then also when you told that story, I just saw Will Ferrell in old school running out of the building. We're going straight in. Come on, guys. Did anybody come with you? Or did you know what? Everyone was like, no, hard pass on the 30 yep. mile tequila run. Did they even drive along? Did somebody follow along just to see that you were okay? Or did your friends were just like, no, there's, there's, there's some more tequila coming. We're, we're going to hang. No, I mean, I told them I was going to the bathroom and what? I literally walked past the bathroom into the kitchen 
and you know, people are <laughs> looking at me, what the hell is this guy doing here? And, but they, I just kind of waved and, uh, walked to the tradesman's alley, uh, exit, you know, where they bring in all the things on the, on the side of the, al- of the, the building yeah. and just exited the tradesman's alley. Um, and, and that was it. I, I didn't turn back. Wow. Well, I mean, that does make sense how this set you up for training for these longer, more grueling events. Yeah. I mean, your first one, you know, you probably didn't have the best shoes. You probably weren't covered in body glide. You know, you didn't have those aid stations. So the 30 miles grew and grew and grew to ultra marathons. As you were doing that, did you have training plans you were following or were you kind of inventing your own uh, training regimen? <laughs> I mean, you have to understand that uh, the running is a very broad uh, topic, right? I mean, there's there's everything from sprinting to you know to ten thousand meters uh, to half marathons and marathons. What I do is so different than what most runners think of as running. I mean, you know, running a hundred miles through the wilderness by yourself is not typically something people equate with running. It's 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 more of an adventure. So. I had no idea what I was doing. I was running in, I was a surfer. I was running in board shorts. I, I had no idea what a training block was. I mean, I was so naive. <laughs> uh, and it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. It was, it, it was just beautiful. I remember uh, I thought after running 30 miles, you know, I was a really fit guy. So I'm, I'm, you know, running every day out to the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, maybe five or six miles. Right. Passing people the whole time. Like I'm really strong. And then I was running home one day and living in San Francisco, when you run home, you're inevitably running up a hill somewhere or the other. A crazy yeah. hill, like yeah. hills that I'm yeah. in a car, like, what's going to happen? Yeah. Hill, doesn't, hill doesn't do yeah. its service. It's, you know, yeah, uh, pre-mountain, I guess is what I'm going to call it. Because, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm powering up this hill and two guys blow past me as though I'm standing still. I mean, they were like another species. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, what, what was that? And I really wanted to talk with them because I, I had no no one to talk with about my running. I was, you know, just kind of doing it all on my own. <clears throat> and I thought I'd really love to see what these guys are about and how they train and so forth. But they just blew past me, crested the hill, and were gone. And I thought, ah, oh, shit. I, you know, there's no way I was keeping up with them. So I eventually get to the top of the hill, and there are those two guys. And now they're, they're doing push-ups. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I'm talking to them. And I said, hey, you guys, you know what's going on? They're like, hey. I said, are you, are you trained for something? They're like, yes. I said, are there, there are hills involved? And they said, no, there are mountains involved. <laughs> I go, shit. Okay. And then they both stop their pushups and they get to their feet. I'm like, so tell me about this race. And they said, it's called the Slayer 50, the Slayer Mountain 50. I'm like, huh? 50, like what? And they said, 50 miles, dude. Like it's, it's a 50 mile race. <laughs> and, I, and I said, hold it you know, are there campgrounds along the way or, you know, are there hotels? Like, you know, wh- where do you stop? And the, and the guy's like, dude, the gun goes off and you start running. You you stop when you cross the finish line. And his buddy kind of elbowed him like, if you cross the finish line. And they looked at me like, this guy's such a joker. There's no way he'd ever cross the finish line. And off they ran. So, you know, this is an era uh, pre-internet. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember going to the San Francisco library using the Dewey Decimal uh, System. And I looked up this race and um, I signed up for this race. And it was the craziest thing I'd ever done. I mean, it hurt so bad to run 50 continuous miles. Yeah. 
it was it was every cell in my body just radiated pain but i finished and i remember i was you know in the in the tent afterward kind of in this mylar blanket shivering you know salt crust all over me and <laughs> you know just gaunt and dehydrated and i see those same two guys and they're high-fiving each other. <laughs> they're saying, we qualified, we qualified. And I'm thinking, for what, the insane asylum? Like, what do you qualify for? <laughs> they said, no, we qualified for the Western States 100-mile endurance run. And I said, what? Twice that, as far as we just went? Like, it, it, how do you do this? How long do you have to do this? And the guy's like, well, you try to, you try to do it in 24 hours. And I said, do you stop? He's like, no, no. I said, well, how do you see? He said, you put on a headlamp. I said, when do you eat? He said, you eat while you run. And I, and he said, it starts at the base of a ski resort. It goes to the highest mountain. And then you run 95 miles through the wilderness. You cross rivers in the middle of the night. And I just, I couldn't wrap my head around this idea of a human being able to run a hundred miles on their own in the wilderness. And the last thing they said to me as they were walking out of the tent is, Hey buddy, you qualified as well. Yes. Unbelievable. <laughs> And when they said that to me, I mean, my spine tingled. I thought, I knew at that moment, you have to do this race. Like you will never live down this moment for the rest of your life unless you do this race. You will forever think, could I have done it? You know, was it possible? Yeah. So I signed up for the Western States 100 mile endurance run uh, the next year and, and the rest, uh, as they say, is history. It, that was nineteen ninety. That was nineteen ninety four. That's just it. Yeah, it's your your story is crazy because it's one epiphany after the other for you. You know, most of us are lucky if we find one in our lifetime, and they're just like falling like dominoes for you. I, I want to ask you a question, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, once you got into this and you were training for specific events. But I I saw an interview with you where you said something which I thought was really really interesting, in that when you are. Uh, when you're in a zone, so to speak, in a mindset, you are completely clearing everything out except the next step. And I know a lot of people when they're out training or they're running, and I've done this myself, you know, you're thinking about the next uh, signpost, the next water stop, the, you know, something like that. You said it is completely different. You break it down into just being in that next step. What is that? What is that like? And is that as always how it's been for you? Because you also talk uh, very eloquently about uh, viewing your surroundings and being uh, aware of the, the surroundings you're running in. Yeah, I mean, I think people say, well, you know, what, what do you think about when things get really tough? And I think thinking is the problem. When things get really tough, I try to turn off the mind. Uh, I try not to think about what's in front of me. I try not to reflect on the past at all, but just focus on one thing, taking my next footstep to the best of my ability and my next footstep to the best of my, I, and if you know, our minds are active, right? Mm. It's really hard to quiet the mind. Even now while we're doing this interview, you know, your mind is thinking about a million things at once. I force my mind not to think about anything, but my next footstep. And this is when things are really dark, when you're thinking, I'm, I'm going to DNF uh, if, I, if I don't focus. And, and I've, I've just, I've, you know, John, I've just analyzed where my head goes when things get really tough. Yes, mm. I love being in nature. Yes, I, I celebrate running 100 miles just, and I enjoy it just as much now as I did the, the first time I did it. Uh, but when things get really tough, uh, that's, that's what I focus on. It's just my next footstep. 
Yes, that's really remarkable to me because, again, just running and I know a lot of distance runners and it really is. You just have these signposts along the way and keep uh, keep going. It's interesting to me. All right. Listen, I want to ask you about one of the things that I mentioned uh, because you just have so many, so many great credits of of things you've done athletically. But once, as mentioned, 350 miles in 80 hours and 44 minutes without sleep. Now, this goes beyond training to run a distance. This is also a sleep deprivation thing. So going into something like that how, how do you prepare for that did you just pull you know 80 hours straight up to see what that part of it was like or was it tequila <laughs> was, there te- <laughs> was there tequila once you get involved <laughs> no i mean that was that was just a mindless schlep is what it was um I, i've never been a good sleeper thank goodness you know that's kind of um played into my uh ultra marathoning abilities but yeah i mean that was just mind over miles and and relentless forward progress you know, and honestly, I thought I thought I could run 500 miles. Mm. <laughs> so I, I was kind of disappointed. And I still believe a human can and will run 500 continuous miles. Uh, it's just going to it's not me. But, you know, I, I was sleep running and waking up rejuvenated. So if someone really, really wants to go further, they can train their body to do it. Um, in fact, uh, after the run, a guy contacted me uh, who said, hey, I you, you weren't actually uh, asleep. You were in this tran- transcendental, like a meditative state. And I w- he said, I can tell you more. So I was kind of, it kind of piqued my interest. And I contacted, this is via email, I contacted the guy. I said, yeah, I, w- I used to be the personal trainer of Bruce Lee. And I can train you how to fall asleep while you're running and, and wake up uh, rejuvenated. Like this canatonic state, you can run in for a while and your body will get a sleep cycle and you can wake up and keep going. Wow. And I stopped, (laughs) no, 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 (laughs) no, I stopped returning his emails. I'm like, there's no way I want to learn how to do this. I I mean, you're going to die at a point, right? It's just so, it is so though illustrative. Have you talk about someone will eventually get there and it's as much mental as physical for somebody to eventually get there. Just crazy. I have a, no, we're going to go in a different direction, but I'm just wondering when you're doing this, you know, 80 hours in a row, maybe catatonic, maybe not. What sort of paces were you maintaining then? Yeah, that's a good question, and it it just it it so varies mm. uh, when you're when you're doing this sort of thing. I mean, you your your energy cycles um, ebb and flow. So you know, at, at points you might be running sub seven minute miles, and it might feel comfortable. And this is after two hundred miles. Uh, at other points, just walking is you know at a at a twenty mile uh, pay. You know at, 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 at a really slow pace, yeah. you know, 15 minute mile kind of pace, um, feels horrible. So it, it, you know, you, there's not a consistent pace throughout the, throughout something like that. No, it's been, I know, like, when I ran, I ran, yeah, go ahead. So I, you know, I ran, um, 50 marathons in 50 States in 50 days one time. And I know the, the average finish time was, I think it was three, it's in my book, but I think it was three hours and 44 minutes. That's fine. So that's the, faster than my PR one marathon, but that's fine. It's, I'm not like embarrassed by myself. <laughs> Just kidding. I couldn't go 26 miles on a golf cart in that time. Yeah, so. The battery would die. No, yeah. and that, I mean that was over 50 marathons. So uh, you know that's that's kind of well. There along that line, there is a theory about you that you have the lactate dehydrogenase syndrome, which means you don't produce lactic acid during exercise. What do you think about that? I think. 
to an extent that's the case, but I also will preface that by saying that any endurance athlete is going to have the same phenomenon. Okay. It's I don't I don't think I'm unique. I mean the scientists. Oh said, no, like, you are unique. <laughs> I think I think we've established that. <laughs> I mean, my mother comes from an island called Ikaria. I think I said I'm 100 percent Greek, mm. and Ikaria is the place where Icarus, you know, the guy, mm-hmm. the kid oh, with oh, the wax oh, yes, crash. I am a fan and of it's, his. It's, it's like, and it's one of the blue zones. I don't know. Have you guys heard of the blue zones? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like the place where the indigenous people live to be the longest. Yeah. Ikaria has the highest concentration of what they call centenarians on earth. So the highest concentration of people that live to be a hundred or greater. Um, the first time I visited this island, I, I went to a memorial service for, I think it was like a great uncle of mine. And it, they said it was so sad uh, his, his death. And I said, why? And they said, well, he was only 96. <laughs> and I said, why do you say And they said, well, if someone doesn't live to be a hundred in Ikaria, it's like a premature death. It's wow. really sad. <laughs> wow. Uh, is that crazy? I can't wrap my, I just can't wrap my head around it. Well, we should all, you Mo- know, as we are, we are studying the blue zones. We're studying these things. Um, something we also mentioned in your bio in the beginning was, was writing. You are a best-selling author. Are there parallels to you between writing and distance running. Absolutely, Carissa. I mean, I think, as you said, the, the lessons you learn from running carry over to life. Uh, you know, writing is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you, you spend a lot of time word crafting one sentence to get it right. I mean, literally in playing scenarios uh, over and over in your head. And I, I love it. I love the pursuit. And I do a lot of my writing while I'm running. Um, you guys probably know we have some of our clearest thoughts while we're mm-hmm. running. So I, I just do voice dictation. And, uh, you know, people say that when they read my books, one of the most frequent comments that I get is like, God, I thought I, I felt like I was right with you mm-hmm. during when agree. you explain these stories. Yeah. And I think that's because I'm writing a lot while I'm running. And I think, you know, if you're a writer and you're listening to this, what is so important when you're telling a story is to engage all of the senses. And when you're out running an ultra marathon, you do that. You, you know, you get the smells, you get the sights, you get the feels, all of it The you, you know, you hear different noises. So I try to incorporate all of that into my writing to really put uh, the reader in my shoes. You are the uh, um, exception to the rule that I think F. Scott Fitzgerald said uh, most real writers spend more time coming up with reasons not to write than to write. And you, you're exactly the opposite of that uh, best-selling author who uses his time as best as anyone could possibly use their time. All right. Um, as we don't want to keep you too, too long, but a couple of things we, we do want to cover here. Of all the events, I wanted to say races, but you, you've done event stuff. They're not even, they go beyond races. All the things that you've done, do you have a favorite? Is there one memory where you go, that that is the the best thing I've ever done? I feel best about that. Yeah, I know I do. And it's very clear to me. I, and I, I will say that I've run on all seven continents twice. So, I mean, I've raced all around the world. As you mentioned, I, I ran a marathon in the South Pole. I've run across Death Valley. I've run across all the great deserts, Gobi, uh, Atacama, uh, Sahara. Uh, but my my most, my proudest accomplishment is running a 10K. And you're probably wondering you know, why a 10K? And I ran a 10K with my daughter, Alexandria, on her 10th birthday. Oh. And yeah, I mean, that nothing will ever surpass that moment for me. That's that's cool. So then the follow-up is, do you have a least favorite thing that you've done? And explain why it's 24 hours straight on a treadmill. 
because to me, <laughs> and, and I do most of my, and I'm not really much, I, I did my first 5K recently. I try to stay somewhat in shape doing a couple of miles, but I'm not a distance runner, but I do a lot of it on a treadmill because I live in Central Florida. And I don't know if you know this, Dean, but it's uncomfortable. He's outside. also running Death Valley, so he's not, it's, yes, no well, sympathy yes, for you on that one, John. That's a dry heat, <laughs> Dean. It's a dry heat. Um, but the idea of 24 hours straight on a treadmill, I, I got to two hours once and wanted to then walk into traffic. What? What was that? I mean, like? it was a fun. It was a fundraiser, but I mean, twenty four hours on a treadmill. It doesn't even tell half the story. That the treadmill <laughs> was hoisted on this on this this platform uh, into the sky, like two stories in the sky, in the middle of Times Square <laughs> on summer solstice. So you guys know what Times Square is like. Oh yeah, it's crazy. And here's this like treadmill that's hoisted up in the sky <laughs> in the middle of Times square and there's a guy running on it for 24 hours okay that actually was, sounds awesome to me <laughs> <laughs> it was psychotic that sounds all, amazing. The, all the jumbotrons were filming me oh that's awesome. so all so of the cool. all of the oh it was it was maintaining my focus for 24 hours was was such a head trip I, mean, I have I kept two thinking, follow-ups for this that i feel are are, are just yeah i want to i want to hear them I'm, yeah uh, well <laughs> one did you get restroom breaks because <laughs> you're up high okay. and i just on this, tre- <laughs> on this treadmill was the treadmill was it was like a little uh uh you know those camping toilets yeah porta potties where oh, you yeah. got to sit down i mean they're yeah. on the they're, so i had this behind the treadmill is this camping toilet and there's this circular umbrella like a drawstring and i'd have to sit down no matter if i had to go big potty or little potty and pull up on this drawstring they would bring up this circular, like, um, you know, shower curtain around me. Yes. So I could go to the bathroom. Who and was it? I, there, was, there was somebody as they were, guys were designing this. Was it you or was like, he's got to go to the bathroom? What are we going to do? Oh, the shower curtain. Like, was there, you know, do you remember conversations about this? I mean, no. An it was agency just there. Said you just showed up it and like, it was there. Yeah. And I'm like, how am I going to go to the bathroom? And they're like, oh, we'll have something for you. Like, where's, where's all my food and water going to be? We'll have something for you. So they had it all planned out. But. That's you know, so cool. I, w- I did my best to maintain my decency throughout 24 hours. Like I would sit down on this damn toilet and hoist this thing up. <laughs> and when you're drinking so much liquid, I mean, it's summer solstice, which is hot. Yeah, in it is. Yeah. yeah. All right. So did you have a view of Times Square? Because when we go to, we take my daughter, she's been twice to New York. She's eight. Her favorite thing to do is to go to Times Square and see what she calls the creepy people that like not Mickey Mouse and not Minnie Mouse. Could you see any of the activity of Times Square? Was it amusing <laughs> to you? Like was it like a bird's eye view? I just want to know. Yeah, it was crazy. It was <laughs> everything Times Square is. There was crazy people. And the craziest, I think, is that this, this, I don't know, this clan, like this cult of Harry Krishnas. Oh, yeah. Started yeah. Wor- they started worshiping me. They yeah. set up their mats below me and they were saying prayers to me. As I'm running, I'm looking down at all these Harry Krishnas doing these chants, you know, moving their heads up and down, looking up at me. Awesome. Yeah, no, it was, it was crazy. I mean, it was. You achieved was- deity status, Dean, and, you, and, you're, and you're Greek. I mean, honestly, I could not put this in a screenplay. This couldn't be a screenplay. It has to be like a limited miniseries because there's just so much going on. And you led me, you led me into this one too, Dean, because we're going to ask this uh, a little later if I had an opportunity, but I'll ask it now. The 50 marathons in 50 days, um, the distance you're running notwithstanding, logistically, because you're not running, you know, you're, I'm sure you ran, and I know you ran some existing marathons on the weekends, but obviously there's generally not a marathon in Wyoming on Wednesday. 
how do you put how did you put that together? I can barely draw my name in the dirt with a stick. I didn't put it together. <laughs> I, I mean, <clears throat> I worked with the uh, the agency that um, coordinates the Olympic torch run across the country, and they did all the logistics. So uh, you're right. Eight of the the marathons were what they were calling live marathons. So on the day of the actual marathon, like I ran the 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 uh, Chicago Marathon on race day. I ran the um, Marine Corps Marathon on race day, you know, with thousands of other people. Mm-hmm. I ran Portland on race day. And the final marathon was was New York City on race day. But the 42 other marathons were, quote unquote, recreated marathons. So they contacted the race director for the most prominent marathon in that state and said, hey, when we show up on a random Tuesday uh, in Iowa, will you set up your marathon start, let us follow your sanctioned and certified course and finish at your finish line so that we had a record of actually completing a marathon, uh, sanctioned marathon. And that's how we did 42 of them. Wow. Uh, unlike a regular marathon on race day where they hold the entire course closed. Yeah. Uh, we had like a roaming police escort that would, you know, cause I say we, because, uh, this agency got permits for up to 50 runners to join me at each of these marathons. So you could go on, um, it was active.com back then and just sign up to run a marathon with Dean in, in, uh, Dallas, Texas on a random Thursday. Wow. Uh, but the police escort would like move us through intersection, close an intersection as we ran through. So they didn't have to close the entire course. They, we just had this roaming pod, uh, of road closures and that's how we pulled it off. Um, that sounds amazing. If you want to do it again, I would, I would sign up <laughs> and run one of a couple of them with you. So just think about it. If you want to, are you serious? Oh, I do. Oh, of course. Yeah, my husband would. Jeff, John would uh, do some. Announce he would. One? He would yes, be I there. Would announce. He would, I would. That sounds amazing. I'd that be on the support so team. Yeah. Um, oh, the, I mean, we had so it was the ultimate road trip. I mean, we had yeah. these big buses. It was. It was a. It was really amazing. a lot of so fun. Great. Yeah, and, so fun. I mean, and using Chris the in existing infrastructure of the races, that's just brilliant to me because I'm just visualizing the Des Moines Marathon. You know, I'm being like, oh, okay, this makes perfect sense to me. I'm not. I'm yeah, lactic the acid the threshold though. Not really into it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even, you know, Dave McGilvery from Boston, yeah. he ran Boston in October with the leaves changing color. You know, Boston is always the second week, you know, it's tax day. Yep. It's Patriots Day, Patriot which is always color. in April. We ran it with the leaves changing colors. And people are like, a lot of the people, because we did, we had permits for actually 50 people to join me um, on each of the marathons. And some people ran multiple, like uh, a couple ran uh, what they called the six pack. So they ran all six marathons in the New England states. <clears throat> but Jeff, I mean... Um, Dave McGilvery actually like painted the street uh, with the Boston Marathon awesome. finishing. You know how they do the flag across uh, yep. the, the ribbon oh, across yeah. the. He painted it, oh. so the race directors were really supportive. And um, to your point, an agency recently contacted me and said, "Hey, you want to do a twenty-year anniversary?" Oh yeah, we do. Uh, which yeah. is twenty twenty-six. So. I mean, Maybe I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little, you know, inspiration brainstorm. You could start at Disney World this time because last time you started at Disneyland, right? Well, <laughs> I've done a lot of shit in my life, and we're getting some of confused. <laughs> so I ran across America. Okay, from that's Disneyland. different. So I All ran right. three. That was three thousand miles from uh, from uh, Disneyland to New York, but. The um, the 50 marathons in 50 states uh, in 50 days started with the Lewis and Clark Marathon in St. Louis, Missouri, because it was the bicentennial of the Lewis and Clark Expedition, the year I started, which was 2006. 
So that was the first marathon is um, the Lewis and Clark in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. I love these history tie-ins. I love the history tie-ins too. Now John's on board. John's going to run the marathon for Lewis and Clark. No, I'm not going to run the marathon. That would would not be possible. But uh, I I just, I I love all the synchronicity, how this Well, the invitation is open to start your next 50 marathon 50 states at the Walt Disney World Marathon in January uh, of any year. But let's talk about the Disney connection that you have to Disneyland and that event that you completed. Yeah. So the, I mean, the run across America was um, for a TV show called live with Regis and Kelly. Yes. We just, you know, little TV show. Yeah. Rest in peace. He's since passed away, but uh, they felt, you know, they were filming me every day for 75 days running from uh, the West coast to their studio in New York city. And uh, they're affiliated with uh, Disney because Disney owns the network. So they they set up the start at Disneyland. Literally, we started at in the middle of Disneyland um, with uh, this firework, <laughs> literally a firework display. Um, the uh, the Goodyear blimp flying over ahead, saying, "You know, good luck, Dean, on your run across America." And they and five hundred people. They chose five hundred people from the audience to come join me, who were runners. So they had this like uh, lottery for a few months before they actually started. And they flew 500 people out uh, to the West Coast. And we all ran, literally ran through Disneyland with no with no one there. This is before the park opened. And then I ran out the gate and everyone waved goodbye. And, and I banged a right and <laughs> ran 3,000 miles to New York. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's one of the, uh, uh, with our Run Disney races, one of the favorite things of people um, who run the marathon is getting to run through the Magic Kingdom. When Now, there are other runners there, but, you know, with the lights on and uh, not crowd streets crowded and everything. And there's is. Christmas lights and, and in January. Yeah. The Christmas lights so are it's really still cool. up, which is a favorite for me. And then there are some people there. You're cheering Main Street USA. So it's one of the highlights. So it's great that you got to kind of experience, of course, the Dean version. That's right. That. That's right. There's a Dean version to it. All right. Now, Dean, in addition to all of this, I don't think we've talked about you being Greek. Um, you, you, you've recently been named ambassador for Greek tourism. Now, what does that entail, and how did that all come about? It's a, it's a tough assignment, but someone has sounds to do it. like it. Yeah, do you need an assistant? <laughs> well, now that I know your love of history, mm. uh, we could do an entire podcast just on Greek history. Let's go. I'm a, yeah, no, I, I studied classics. I don't know if you know that. Oh, and, I did. No, I was an English major, so. We're, we're kind yeah, of cousins. Fact, Dean is not even my name. I don't know how I got the name Dean. I'll be honest. My my on my birth certificate, on my passport, on my driver's license, it's Constantine. So my real name is Constantine. I don't. I don't. I, for the life of me, I think it was, it was must have been when I was a kid. I got this nickname of Dean, and it just stuck. Now, generally, right? these things happen because someone in your family was young and unable to pronounce your name. <laughs> because I have an aunt whose aunt Mimi, M-I-M-I, and it was because they said she was small like Minnie Mouse, but I had a cousin who couldn't pronounce that. So I'm going to go with you've got a cousin somewhere, Dean, that couldn't say it when they'd heard Constantine. It was just Dean. That's it. Yeah. So, no, it's Constantine. And, um, you know, the, the marathon started in Greece and I could bore you senselessly. I know the history. I know every footstep of PDs. And Jeff and I, uh, you know, Del- Jeff, Jeff knows my passion. And I've written a book called The Road to Sparta, which is about the original marathon. If any of the you listeners want to know the origins of the marathon from 490 BC until modern 2023, uh, The Road to Sparta explains it. And 
the the actual first marathon was was more of an ultra marathon. I'll say that that uh, the runner who died supposedly died at, at the Acropolis after proclaiming Nike Nike or Nike Nike, which means victory victory. We are victorious. He had run much further than twenty six point two before he collapsed. Uh, he ran an ultra marathon to, uh, to recruit the Spartans into battle, and then ran back to the the battlefield of Marathon. But Marathon is a place in Greece, mm-hmm. and Marathon means field of fennel because when the Persians landed at this place on the coastline of Greece, there was a lot of wild fennel growing, uh, which grows wild all over over Greece. So the the origins of the word Marathon or field of fennel. Uh, it's a it's a fascinating story, hmm. and to go to Marathon and see it and see that nothing has changed in twenty five hundred years. It's still this open beach field, and there's a little like hand drawn placard that says, "Here was the Battle of Marathon," and it's crazy <laughs> that that like runners from around the world don't all go there to see this place because it's the origins of what you're doing, and it gives so much deeper meaning to running a marathon to know the historic origins of this thing you're doing there's no other sporting event that has such an illustrious history that created what you're doing so i uh i encourage people to visit greece i you know i also started this company called um uh, greek running tours and we take people to greece uh for um experiencing greece on foot so it's 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 not it's not competitive running it's you know, it's 10K to, I think the longest day is 18K over many hours of sightseeing and, you know, tasting food, cultural experiences. But if, you know, if you're inclined, come join us at Greek Running Tours and you'll learn all about the origins of this thing that means so much to you, completing mm-hmm. a marathon uh, in in the place that it actually originated. That's such a great idea. Now, so I've, great. I've learned a lot about marathon from Jeff, but I did not know the field of fennel. I didn't know that. And my daughter loves to eat fennel. So I'm excited. <laughs> now you'll never forget it. close to a marathoner. She eats a lot of fennel. She's she's building her base. Uh, my daughter has done more 5Ks than John Pelkey. And she beat me in the one that I ran. She, <laughs> she would run alongside me for a while and then speed up to try to get me to speed up. And eventually by mile three, I'm like, oh, go on without me. Pure, you know. <laughs> it was a 5K. He was, he was almost My there. My dentures are coming out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> They're made of wood. No, just kidding. <laughs> All right, Dean, we have a question that we ask everybody at the close. And I'm going to give you the question, but I'm also going to preface it. Because the question is, you know, what's the most inspiring thing you've seen at a race or an event? But for some people, you might be the most inspiring thing or, or something that inspires them. So what is then... And you can say yourself, <laughs> the most inspiring thing that you've seen at a running event. God, I mean, we've seen so much, haven't we? I mean, if you, it, mm. I, I, I personally, it's the back of Packers. I just, I love seeing people coming in before the, you know, before the cutoff and just barely making it and watching how they're just transformed by the experience. So I, I would say, you know, it's kind of a general answer that, um, you know, watching the medal being placed, and I've done this, I've placed a finishing medal over people's necks that have finished with just a couple minutes before the cutoff. And it is, yeah, it's, it's otherworldly to see uh, that look in their eyes of complete exhaustion, but complete elation and bliss as well at the same time. Uh, yeah. I mean, I and not many people that. can, in the way you can, empathize and understand what that feels like 
to just push and pull everything out of yourself. I think you truly have done that in extreme situations and and you can connect with people on that way, just knowing what it meant to them and what they might've had to go through to get to that moment. I mean, you're so right. And for some people that's just getting to the finish line of a, of a 10 K, you know, to me that they might feel the same way that it took me to finish the Badwater ultra marathon. They might be that destroyed. Well, maybe not that destroyed. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, all their toenails are still. Well, hopefully, they're taking their walk yeah. breaks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Well, listen. Uh, you know what I'm saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dean. Yeah. There's just so much uh, for people. Uh, your, your story is so great, and so much as I mentioned, five books out there. If people want to follow you, they want to find out more about Dean Carnassus. Where do they go to do that? <laughs> Google, our good friend Google. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm on social media. You know, I have a website. Um, you can find, I'm not hard to find. No. And, and you're a yeah, bit of an so. overachiever there, Dean. Got to say, bit of an overachiever. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's, it's not the medals. It's not the accolades. It's not the trophies. It's the journey. Yeah. And I'm committed to this whole life of mine. I mean, you know, Jeff Galloway is, I've got to say, a great, great mentor and hero of mine, just because, you know, I can relate to him. He, it's it's kind of frustrating <laughs> watching your, you know, to be able to, to crack a three-hour marathon for this kid these days would be Herculean. I mean, I'd have to work so hard, and it's still doubtful I could even do it, where it used to come easy. And, 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 and living with grace, knowing that, you know, you're just, you're just not what you once were but you're still committed to being the best that you can given the stage of life you're in. Uh, I'll end it with just saying, you know, Jeff Galloway, you hung the moon. That's very, very sweet. And his son is listening now as well. Um, Dean, this has been so, so much fun. And we're so thankful that you spent the time to be with us and to chat with our three, two, one go listeners. And we are anxiously awaiting the announcement of how we can join in in 2026 (laughs) on some of those 50 marathons. Don't. Don't you forget us when you're on the record, Carissa. I'm excited. I'm ready. I got some states to to knock off. So yeah, hopefully we'll have a chance to do this again, Dean, because I know we have so much more to talk about. But thanks for spending some time with us. You guys are no. Thank you for your time. You're wonderful hosts. I talked your ear off so you won't have to. And um, it's been really lovely. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks, Dean. Yeah, appreciate it. Take care. All right, athletes. Here's the drill. Time to shape up your diet. Carissa, give them the goods. Here's something that we've all tried to do. I don't, there may be just a minuscule handful of people out there that at one point in their life, John, haven't said, I'm going to try to lose weight. Right. Do you agree? I completely agree. And I think even now, whether it's to, for more energy or for better health, a lot of that, as we're learning more about nutrition and certain diseases, things revolves around, if you can get to a healthy weight, you will reduce your risk of certain diseases like type 1 diabetes, heart disease, and things like that. So weight loss is something that a lot of us have thought about doing, trying to doing, and a lot of us have failed at. So as a dietitian, what I see is that when people try weight loss and maybe they have success and then they stop and weight comes back, it increases their fear of trying again. And it creates negative connections with food and all these kinds of things. So as a dietitian, when I look at weight loss for people, I don't look at, you're going to lose weight and here's how you're going to do it. Because 
weight loss is actually really hard. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I, and I, it can kind of mess with your mind, I've, right? I've tried and failed numerous times. I remember you with a bag of carrots and celery on the, <laughs> on bring, the court at the uh, Old Spice Classic. Yes, I, uh, that's when uh, that's all I was eating and I would go to lunch somewhere and I'd pull that bag out and, and make sad faces and watch people and eat. And it didn't last long term, did it? Delicious food. Uh, I, lost, I actually lost like 22 pounds in 10 weeks. And uh, then it took me about a year and a half to put it all back on, generally. But it's Though it. I'm a little yeah. less. Yeah, but it did. It but did. And, and a lot it of us do, they yo-yo that. So the number one reason why weight loss is hard, and this is specifically, unfortunately, more for women, but as we age, our basal metabolic rate slows down, meaning what we could eat at 20, at 30, at 40, at 49, as we get into the 50s and 60s, it starts to dramatically decrease. So we've got to shift how we've always been eating our entire life. Then for women, when you add in menopause, that's just an unfortunate formula that makes it so much harder to keep and maintain weight off. So I think if we acknowledge that that plays a huge part in it, then weight loss can be easier if we acknowledge it's hard, we acknowledge that we failed before, and that we don't look at it as weight loss, but we look at it as, I'm going to make better nutrition choices. So that when you come to work and all you have is a bag of carrots, you might think, well, if I'd put some protein with this, or it would be okay if I had 12 whole grain crackers, because then I'm going to feel more satisfied and I'm not going to get home and either one binge or two, just argue with myself about why I can't eat. So I think that weight loss is hard, but if we stop thinking about it as weight loss and thinking about it as nutrition education and improving the quality of our diet, the weight loss will naturally happen. Do you think that's possible? I do think that's possible. Yep. And if you also throw exercise in there, because so many people try to lose weight simply by addressing their diet. And there's nothing wrong with addressing your diet, and you should. But if you don't move along with it, you're going to have limited success. So kind of what we were taught in school is that weight loss is about 80% your food choices. And then once you get to your goal weight, that's when exercise becomes key into maintenance. But the same thing I said about, you know, you're going to struggle to lose weight if you're only afraid of calories and afraid of gaining weight. Think about that principle to exercise too. If you only run because I've got to burn X amount of calories or exercise for those reasons, you're not going to stick with it. If you get some of those benefits, like Dean said, of the mental benefits of seeing the world around you, of clearer thinking then you're going to be motivated to exercise for another reason, just like you're going to be motivated to eat better for a reason that's outside of weight loss. So my point of that ramble is weight loss is really hard. If it's something you want to do, don't be scared to try again, but shift your mindset. And that is essentially kind of what we do in Healthier You is we do a little bit of calorie counting in the beginning just because you have to know where you are. Like you have to do a magic mile with Jeff to know how to do your run-walk breaks. Uh, we get you there, but then we stop worrying about the scale and we start thinking about the quality of our diet and the makeup. And in that process, a lot of people do see the weight loss. So that's kind of my spiel for today that if you're in that weight loss journey, um, I know it's hard. We support you. It's okay to take a pause and come back to it, but avoid those restrictive diets. They won't get you there. And if you want to join the 12-week course, if you want to join a more nutrition education-based program, uh, go to GallowayCourse.com. That's where my Healthier You course is, and you can use the code PODCAST. Save $150. It also has its own exclusive group in the Galloway Training Hub where you can chat with other members, share your successes, share your frustrations, uh, Just but just be with a group of like-minded people who have their goal on improving that only one healthier you. 
This is the end of the episode. Uh, but we want to hear from you. Uh, if you have tips for anyone doing their first dopey challenge or a Run Disney first timer, email us. We may feature and discuss your tips in a future episode. And if you've got a Run Disney story or any story, or you want to talk about what hotels are really close to races that John and I could stay at and announce, uh, email us 321gopodcast at gmail.com. That was an awesome episode. Great stuff. Thank, Thank you guys you. for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.